Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode 196.1. Tonight's guest, Sydney Sled.
this way no more See I checked my dignity at that front door
Well, it ain't been a month yet since I put you down But I'm falling in love once a night in this town Strange beds where I'm sleeping Drinks I've been drinking They ain't home, but they'll Shame's an emotion that fades over time With a little persistence and a lot of cheap wine All the hearts I've been breaking Mistakes I keep making They ain't home, but they'll Yes, I know he can't save me, but I 
Tonight's guest, Sydney Sled and company. Who you have with you, Sydney? Got the swarm of bees here, Jay Mitchell and Colby T. All, All right. right, well, welcome Colby and Jay. Man, this is uh, this is the first recording we've done <laughs> in this studio, <laughs> and I feel like we owe it to the listening audience to let you guys know we just had about ten minutes of conversation. Really and good conversation. The, the most amazing conversation. It was, it was really conversation good. Conversation yeah. ever. It was really good. And in all the uh, mess of moving the studio and everything being in a few different places, uh, somebody we're not going to lay any blame, but forgot to hit record. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> all right but we're here now for our first recording in top hill recording studio b yeah what do you guys think i'm real excited about it i Very love nice. this spot that you've got real nice uh warm welcoming vibe here sounds great and we're just excited to kick it off you know uh yep. first ones in the new studio as uh jay always says if you ain't first you're last so <laughs> write that down uh but seriously it's been a great experience so far and this seems like really i don't know what your other digs were like but this spot is pretty incredible awesome and the bar has been set Bar's been yeah, dude. Yeah. The bar's been set high with these guys for sure. Yeah, that was for awesome. sure. I wish I could uh, get as excited about it as I was the first time. <laughs> I'm so bummed right now. <laughs> the weight of the responsibility. Anyway, all right, you guys. All the apologies. I'm st- glad you're still sticking in there oh, and yeah. happy to be here. So, <laughs> all right, Sydney. We're going to start. We're going to ask you to go back to childhood and tell us about your early memories of music, and then if there's some place in your life that stands out as a time when you knew this was going to be a big part of your life, music, when that might have been. Sure, sure. Um, so I grew up around music. I basically grew up in the Rudyard Kipling, if you're familiar oh, yeah. with that mm-hmm. spot. Yeah, oh, Kenny yeah. Pyle, the whole gang. Um, my mom and dad were really into playing music. My mom played some open mic. She played piano and sang and wrote songs. And my dad listened to weird music. He liked, uh, what is that called? Tower of Power, an average <laughs> white band, kind of some like funkier All stuff. Right. So we go see acts like that play. But it was always around. My mom was more of a Joni Mitchell. Alanis Morissette girl herself Um, but it was kind of ever present with my mom playing piano in the house and me being around a lot of live music but it's strange to me like I I didn't really know that this was for me until much later on I I taught myself how to play piano when I was like eight or nine just because I was bored and this was like the 90s and we didn't have internet so I was like not an only child I had a half brother but he was at his dad's a lot so I'd just be like in my room and she got me one of those keyboards where the keys light up and so Mm -hmm. like I kind of learned how to play by ear based on that I learned all the songs and little uh, directory that it had the song bank and then years later in high school I was in choir they made me an alto which I took to mean that I suck you know like (laughs) not the cool section you're an alto basically singing like one note for five minutes Um, and it wasn't until uh, I got a fake ID and started sneaking into bars and I went to this karaoke bar 
and sang, what was the song? Stormy Weather. And people were like, what, what is that? And I was like, I don't know. What is that? Like, I'd never really considered myself a singer or knew that that was a thing. Um, and so that really helped me out with, like, confidence and then later I learned how to play guitar. I taught myself using YouTube videos. And it was after that that I wrote my first song. Like it's kind of a culmination of lots of different experiences. And I think I was 18 or 19 years old when I wrote my first song. And it was after just, you know, first gut-wrenching, kill-your-soul heartbreak. Uh. And uh, there was nothing else that I could do but write a song. And it was then, too, that I realized that, you know, Music was going to be an important outlet for me. I had written like really bad angsty poetry as a teenager. So I was used to like writing about things. But then it was like the playing of the guitar and the singing all kind of combined. And once I started, I didn't stop. I just started like pumping out songs about um, different feelings. And in the early ages of songwriting, I very much treated it like a diary to where it was like, this is a thing that happened to me instead of writing about other people's experiences or observations. It was like, no, this is some terrible shit that happened in my life and I'm going <laughs> to sing about it to like get it out of my system. I still do that sometimes. That's not completely gone. I've expanded a little bit. Um, but from there, um, I think after writing my first song and then showing it to a friend of mine that I really respected who was a musician and he was like, holy shit, dude, like you can sing and you can write and now you can play a guitar. Like do, do something. I was like, well, well I will. Okay then. <laughs> That was the beginning. Yeah. How old were you when you played at for the public the first time? <clears throat> oh, gosh. Probably about 19 or 20, and I remember it very vividly. Uh, my friends convinced me after I'd written a couple of songs, and it's so funny because it's now The Monarch. So it was oh, The Beer Nose, wow. Beer Nose. Okay. on Bardstown Road, okay. and they had it in that, like, back the outside room, and there was this, like, rickety little stool that you sit on, and it's like you play three songs. And I was sitting up there, and I was shaking so bad, and the stool had a wobble that I was just, like, wobbling all over the place trying to. I was having a panic attack. I was, like, certain I was going to forget all the words. My voice was like real shaky and then it was done. Like I'd, I'd played three songs in front of a crowd of other people and nobody booed me. I didn't completely bomb uh, and that set me up for more. I really started with like the open mics just to get comfortable playing live and, and getting my wits about me and trying to learn about all the other aspects of like what is gain? Like what, what, what's an amplifier? Like how do you use all these things? I think if I remember right, I think uh, Alana Fugate was running that. Yep. That, she ran, there were so many of them. I think she, she did ran, run the, the Baranos one. There well, was another one. I think she one. worked there at one yep. point, and that's how I think I knew that she ran that one. Yeah, that checks out, because I met, I met a lot of really cool musicians doing that, yeah. uh, too. They had the ones at the Corner Door, too. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of incredible open mics around town for years. Yeah, Earl talks about that a lot. I love the open mics. Yep, yeah. That's where I started going out. That's where I've met most of the people I know. And yeah, I think that's a great place for any, anyone to go I wonder to. if like Katie, Katie did it, uh, knows Alana and kind of took the reins from her because she basically, Alana used to do that. She used to have a few places that she would run open mics for and was a real advocate for, for local musicians. And then, uh, you know, Katie does that a ton um, for, for local musicians. And it seems like somebody always has a story where they say, yeah, yeah, Katie Katie encouraged mm -hmm. me at this open mic to do this thing. You know, Taylor, I know Taylor Catherine's one of them. Uh, I believe you're, you've talked about Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, if it wasn't for Katie, I would never have played music. Those open mics are important when you don't, especially if you're doing songs that you wrote 
it's hard to get up there and sing a song you wrote and the people that encourage you and say you you did a good job those are the ones like it just takes one or two people to tell you that you can do it to go do it because uh there's definitely i've been to open mics that were shitty and it sucks yeah I, well i think it's I mean, everybody can speak to this but uh, you know if you go to an open mic especially if you're new and you put yourself out there um on, on any level and you get a positive response it goes so much further than uh, a paycheck at the end of, of a you know three hour gig or anything like that, especially if you're doing your own original stuff and really giving it a shot and, and you get a response and, and people really that's the thing that I love about this music community and you know love Earl has literally talked about this for a, a few weeks like I'm looking forward to it and I know you know that because of the 15 minute podcast prior to this podcast he mentioned <laughs> it a couple of times but you know being able to uh, have People like girls say, man, this is going to be an awesome one and, and know those the circle and, and, and be so uh, positive towards other musicians and want their success and things like that. Uh, I believe that open mic scene is a huge part of why that ends up translating into... It, it definitely is. I feel like there is uh, there's a lot of people around that... I've heard like years past, like Louisville music and scene was a little bit more competitive. I don't know if that's true because I wasn't really around before like 2020, but old heads used to say it was like different, mm -hmm. but everyone, it, it really is. They want you to succeed. And I think that's really cool. When I see friends like have a big show or like put out a new album, like everyone is like, great job like no one seems bitter no one seems like i feel like that's what it's about yeah. like we're not really in competition with each other we should want everyone to succeed yeah well you guys kind of embody that you talked about in the first podcast <laughs> how jay uh came to you through another musician and another musician plays with him and now and you know just how that intermixes i may have got that weirdly worded but how everybody intermixes and other people's band mates play with other people and, and just it creates that do you all you know you've, you've talked about kind of just being out in this form for you know just let's say half a year have you noticed in like a, a, a the community embracing you in, in any way have you felt like uh when you've played out that you've really gotten support from other musicians and other, other people that are, uh, you know, more than just audience members, you know, people that are a part of the craft. Yeah, for sure. I had played, <clears throat> I went to see Tyler Lance Walker Gill oh, play yeah, at yeah. the Monarch. We love him. And he did this super cool, like Roger Miller clinic. <laughs> oh, he's like, yeah. he's like, I only want to play it with my full bands, but if I'm not playing with my full band, if you he want does. me for a solo gig, I'm only playing Roger Miller. Yeah, and they we were got like, that. deal. We got it was that incredible. It was so good. And so afterwards I was like, Hey, you know, I don't play like straight country music anymore. Like I did when I was Alabama Brown, but we've got some, you know, y'all alternative vibes in there somewhere or as I like to call it, he, I stole it from somebody else and he stole it from me, but Americinda, you know, in there. Um, and he was like, well, why don't you come play Tuesday night at this uh, Tiger Tonkin thing at the Whirling Tiger? We do it every Tuesday. And he does like a cool little interview thing. Yep. Oh, his and thing so is crazy. We love it. We, yeah, we definitely With all the sound effects and oh. stuff. It's so fun. He's, so a, was, he's so fun. He is. He's, <laughs> he's like a game show host in the best way possible. <laughs> yes. Both of us had just come back from the Kentucky State Fair and both of us had gotten 
really bad belt buckles. And I'm like, you're like the male version of me. Like, this is insane. You're also so extra. He's fantastic. Uh, so it was just like, you know, I happened to go to his show, talk to him after it, got that gig. You know, it, it, it works a lot like that in, in Louisville. If you're willing to support other people, then they support you. Um, we've seen a lot of that. And the shows that we've played, we've gotten a lot of really good feedback. I've had people that are like, hey, you know, if you need any of this on your album, holler at me. Like, I won't, you know, oh, no yeah. studio fees or, you know, session player charges. I'd be happy to just participate and be a part of it. So we've gotten a lot of love. I will say for the record, though, um, drummers are scarce and no one can have Colby. If you're watching this and you saw him and he's excellent, all the drummers are already in five bands. He's ours. That's a, that's We're, a stingy. Fact. We're stingy. We're stingy here. You shouldn't have said his name. But I'm cheap and I'm for sale. <laughs> <laughs> he is no. very cheap. No. <laughs> yeah, man, he's going to be wanting to play bass soon. You know, he's going to be playing keyboards and guitar and shit. He's going to be like, man, just give me a bass. I think we need to ask Jay how, the, you know, how they met up and how the trio got started. Yeah, we definitely, Jay, we definitely yeah, have to hear it. that. Yeah, I've heard that story. It's got to be a new story, man. Well, uh, it's a little complicated. Um, (laughs) Colby and I, I guess it starts. I was trying to extort my grandmother (laughs) for money for yo yos. It was a singular yo yo. It was a collector. (laughs) It was the one yo yo owned by uh, (laughs) famed movie star Danny Glover. (laughs) who's a a yo-yo enthusiast and I got into some trouble and uh, Colby I was at my arraignment for extorting my grandmother for yo-yo money and Colby was in line behind me at the arraignment and he was just like playing with pencils like on a pew and I was like dude you gotta be a sick drummer (laughs) he was like I am a sick drummer actually and so we were we started a band called Doxy Flare, and we were at um, a Halloween Spirit in Athens, Georgia. And Sydney was working at the at the Spirit Halloween, and we were like, she was singing as she was like putting up these Halloween masks, and we were like, dude, this is this is so it right cool. here. We're like, do you write songs? She was like, I do. Fucking write some songs. <laughs> Let's all move to Louisville, Kentucky. And get internships at Daryl Isaac's law firm <laughs> to support ourselves playing in a power trio. That's exactly what happened. In a nutshell, that's exactly what happened. That's nuts, how it went. A, a fairy tale mm-hmm. with familiar. yo-yos and Daryl Isaacs and Spirit <laughs> Halloween stores. Magical. Wow. I heard Dude, it. my grandma died like a year later. Oh. It was like it didn't even matter that I extorted her for the yo-yo. Wow. Mess. Yeah. Oh. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Grandma spent nice. all that time in court for nothing. <clears throat> you know. Was I assume. The hammer was your attorney. Uh, actually, he represented my <laughs> grandmother. That's uh, that, was so. that part of the punishment? You she was the work. injured party's personal injury. You hadn't been injured. They you were to, not the victim. They used to hook up back in the day, so he did her a favor. Yeah. <laughs> she so, did a test. She knows how he got the nickname she the hammer. Knows. She knows. tested the nicknames. They're Grandma all true. knows, dude. <laughs> the heavy hitter is the way to go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to touch right. base on the real story actually um (laughs) they're both from seymour and they grew up together um and jay had played music he was coming up to coming down to louisville with what was the name of the thing again what was your gig with sean boy i played in a band called blunt honey for a while but what were you first because that was what was it blunt honey before emily joined 
Yeah, okay. well, it was Kirky Franz. Kirky Franz. Okay, Kirky Franz. Um, so I'd started playing I think out Jay, under you the. You got to go to for band names. Yeah, yeah. 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 man. He's, he's he has a note on his phone with like twenty of them at all times. Are you serious? Time. There's more, uh, more, way more, more than twenty. Way more than twenty. Is there Jay? any way you would bring that out and just start reading them? Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, like, are, yeah. All right. Are they story. <laughs> right here. I already got a few of them memorized. They're all. Uh, as soon as you say them on this podcast, they're copywritten. Dude. Yeah. All right. These um, are not for you. Let's see. So the first one is going to be. Uh, it's a, a surf rock band, a Japanese surf rock band, fronted by Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> and the and the band of Japanese guys wearing lab coats, and it's called Shacupuncture. <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. I like it. Um, uh, let's see. Um, so this, I thought a good rap name would be uh, like a rap group would be like Forced Fatherhood. Would be a g- <laughs> Colby knows about that. Good. Colby knows some some about that. Um, <laughs> then they just get obnoxious, you know, like Fuck Stampede. <laughs> what even is Fuck Stampede? It's a cool song uh, name. I cow think. Juice. Cow juice. Another cool song. Uh, man. F- uh, the, another surf rock band, all all female, touring once a, a, a month called the Periodicals. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Too much. So good. Have I canceled the band yet? Um, <laughs> so yeah. when we were coming up with the Soft Heat, which was going to be our duo, I put the name White Belly out there, and he hated it. What, white, what was the other one? Corn Lily. White Belly. White Belly. Because I thought White Belly like, literally could be like a white supremacist group. Okay. Oh. You know, like that's that's what white, it just screamed White Belly to me. That's, what, that's how I heard <laughs> it. And you pronounced it like that. But you put what the H in there. I, did anybody get a red belly when you were a kid? A red belly? Yeah. So they like would a disease. Did you ever get a red belly? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, it, I don't think I've ever had one. Oh yeah, you just uh, I, I got abused as a kid. I think uh, <laughs> they just throw you down. And they pull up your shirt and they smack you on your belly. Oh, like a time. nature boy just, slap. Yeah, basically red yeah, belly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Red belly. That'd be all right. Yeah. Red Maybe. belly. Red belly. See, it's a red belly. There you go. It might be. I don't know. You I, like. It How about red, bad. white, and blue belly? There we go. Amerabelly. Amerabelly. See, we're, we're riffing now. We've there got all go. kinds of band names. <laughs> People right. want. They're going to want them. All right, we're back to back, back to, to Okay, back story. to the story. Back to the story. So he was with his duo. I was playing as Alabama Brown, and we both had this gig at Baxter's 942. They called it Hot Country Nights. There was also a group called Bottom Sop that was playing there. And it was a... It was a really fun gig. Jonathan insulted me the first time that we met, calling me Alabama downtown brown town. <laughs> downtown brown town. That's In a real branding. snarky way, too. It wasn't just what he said. It was he how he said fun, it. Huh? He, wasn't, he wasn't being fun. <laughs> um, but, of course, over the next couple of weeks and months as we kept playing this gig, um, they had a little apartment over off Roofer and lived close. And we hung out, played music. Uh, the girl that I had play fiddle on my EP, Emily Cottle, amazing okay, amazing yeah, fiddle okay, player yeah, yeah. yeah I remember she played on she was like a session player but then she liked my music and what she is was Emily like doing i now? would she's a music therapist up in indianapolis now okay yeah, yeah she's phenomenal she is uh, incredible yeah, phenomenal. and she you know she liked what we were doing and was like well i want to be part of your band and uh, i was like hey you know do you guys kind of want to be part of the band and then emily became part of their band just how that works like they ain't a fiddle player i need somebody to what play bass you know swapping players out and so Jay, what we, was the name of that band of the one with Emily. That was soft Blunt Honey. Right? No. Yeah, okay, so Emily Blunt, joined. Blunt I remember Honey. I remember Alabama Brown. 
I remember Blunt, honey. I remember Bottoms Up, Bottom Sop, or whatever it is. And then, uh, yeah, I, I remember all these names. It's hilarious, dude. Because I remember Emily back in the day was, I mean, she was, you know, worlds apart. She was just so good. Yeah. So anybody she played with, I mean, everybody kind of knew. She elevated everybody, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, she's but fantastic. she wouldn't play with you unless you were good enough yep. to be, you know, to be elevated. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to have that 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 core that didn't need any. Yeah. Real. I don't need to tell you what to do. I'm just going to come in, put some flavor on it. She so. did. I mean, we'd sit down with a song and within like one time playing it, she'd mm-hmm. have the coolest fiddle riff yep. that you've ever heard. And I'm like, that's exactly what if I had the right amount of imagination, it would have sounded like in my head. Like mm-hmm. it fits perfect in there. And she just like lays in and does those little like like train pulls. I mean, she's just she's so good. Yeah. And uh, she was kind of. Uh, yeah. So she ended up playing with Blunt Honey. And then all that, you know, Blunt Honey disbanded Alabama Brown and the inside. Outlaws, that was our group name, pre-clover, that disbanded. We uh, fell out of touch for some years. Then Jay and I started a duo back in 2019 called Soft Heat. And right when we were about to play our first show, uh, it was Arbor Day of 2020. Mm. So that did not happen. He went and traveled for a bit. We kind of got caught up just in survival mode during that time of like, you know, I don't even know what's going to happen. And we reconvened kind of earlier this year talking about what would that look like. He had been spending more time with Colby. And actually, I think one of the one of our friends passed, um, Nikolai Curry. And I think Colby I'd hung out with a couple of times, but I didn't really know him that well. And when I went up to Seymour, Indiana, where they're from, um, for that funeral, Um, I got to actually spend some time with Colby and hang out. So we were a little bit better acquainted. And then Jay was like, why don't you have Colby play drums? Like, that would be great. And then I can play bass and we can kind of kick this thing off and really do it. And that's what we've been doing. We started rehearsing in the early summer and laying down tracks for this album. And it's been awesome. So this kind of, I guess, would be an individual question. Um, I guess, Cindy, we can start with you considering, you know, lyrically and uh, musically, this is your baby probably more so. What is the, you know, because I I don't know about you guys, but in here in this room, you hear it and it's just like, it's so complete. You know, it is so. It's complete. For Like I saw, I I don't remember if it was before the, we got cut off before, but. As a trio, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to hear what y'all sound like with the new member. But as a trio, holy fuck, you all are so good. <laughs> yeah, like, we straight just fucking up. get started. Yeah, like, man. Yeah, it is crazy. Like- and to only have, like, this be kind of a newer project. I, like, I know you all kind of played together a little bit. But, I mean, it is so, so good as a trio. And I feel like, for me personally, when I was playing as a trio, I was very self-conscious about the sound. Like, I felt like it just wasn't full. Like, and I'm not a great guitar player, but the dynamics that you all have as three people is fucking crazy. It like, the really songs, starts with her songwriting. I mean, though. the songwriting is phenomenal. Yeah, like, it is, really all... is. And that's why, I, I mean, I definitely agree with you. Like, songs like that, and I and even what you said earlier about when you have people coming up to you that want to play on your shit for free, you know you're in the right yeah. ticket. I have people that want to play on my stuff, but they still want their damn money. Like, <laughs> I'm happy to have them, but I gotta pay them, bitches. I think a lot of it is choosing like who you want to play with too. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you all you've you've picked some good people. Like yeah. you, what you have here is really special, yeah. and that's really like I've, it feels that way. It is. It, you, like, I've been looking forward to this episode since Neil told me. And I've been listening to you, and I've heard of you for a long time. I see your name around everywhere. So to finally meet you and to hear you like this. 
is like the coolest shit mm-hmm. ever. Really, really is. You all yeah. are so good. And, and I think there's a charm to it hearing it as the three piece before, you know, even if it's just a record that you had parts on, or even if it's you know, live, you had more pieces too. I love that we hear it in this room tonight like this, because it is so, it, like I said, there's not, I don't know where there's, you can always add, you can always add flavors. You can always add uh, instrumentation. You can always add uh, beefiness to the sound and make it everything bigger. Um, so I guess I, starting with you, Sydney, what do you, what is the vision for when you find, if, if, if at the end of this recording, at the end of this record, you had exactly what you wanted down as far as instrumentation, what do you hear that that is needed to to fulfill that that's not in this, you know, that's not already there? I think one of the big things is, like, I love the rhythm section, but I'm not that strong of a guitar player. I can hold my own. I'm better with finger picking, and I can, you know, play the basic chords, but I can't even bar a chord. I love my capo, you know, so I'm kind of limited, um, and I tried to teach myself a little electric guitar. I'm trying. Um, it's not going well. It's a whole different ball game. But I think having some of that lead work to be able to add some flourishes and some flavor with some electric guitar, with some piano, um, even as of right now, one of the tracks on the album, Jay puts his bass down and picks up a mandolin and it just adds a different feel to the song. Mm-hmm. And he's such a dynamic musician that it felt like kind of crazy having him as my bassist. And not to say that like the bass isn't like a really important instrument and like the way he plays it is really special, but it's like he can play upright bass, bass, electric guitar, um, he can play a little saxophone. He has a little saxophone. The glockenspiel. Just, he can play glockenspiel, <laughs> mandolin, Keep like anything. Coming. He Keep he on. picks Name up it. piano Ooh, and like with it. that, like any of the sounds like organ. So he's such like a diverse plus harmonies. So I'm like, I want I want you up here with yeah, me and have somebody it. else on on the rhythm section kind of holding that back so that we can kind of dig in to more of that sound. Mm-hmm. So do you uh there's a part of that that, like Jay, I, I don't know what you is your go-to base. Is that where you feel in, in your comfort zone the most? Uh, I honestly don't know anymore. It's yeah. just uh, <laughs> um, it depends on where, like where I'm called. What, what's needed? Yeah, you know, like uh, like I played upright bass and bottom stop for about a year, a long time ago, and like I wasn't necessarily a ripping upright basis, but at the end of that I was. And so like right now I feel very much like a basis mm-hmm. and I love playing it and it is a very important position mm-hmm. in a full band. In a three piece it's super and you kill it. Yeah, out. So I mean important. you're you're as, as him on the bass is about as good as if not I've been this is about my fourteenth episode I've been in here. Dude, you hold down the bass as good as anybody well, that I've seen in true. here. It's like the, the stuff that you're doing, it it's what Neil said, it's tasteful. It's and that's choices. It's it's like there, there's stuff that you could play super simple, or you could do the half step, uh, you know, just uh, thing to add flavor. There's those little things that you do uh, that that I don't think that it's more musicianship than than being a good bass player. It's knowing yep. what to play instead of just it's good ears. Know, and not yeah. everybody has yeah. like so that. I kind of call it feeding the song. Yeah, kind of just she gave us the songs to fuck with, and he's we're getting really to an interesting place yeah, with so it because like, we're recording them, and we're only a trio, and so like 
just today, like I was like working on keys parts and he's in the room with me and we're bouncing ideas around and I'll try something and he says if he likes it or not. But I'm noticing, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd shut the hell up on the bass a little bit here because then I could do something with the mm-hmm. keys and now it feels like they're stepping on each other. And you don't get that when you have a full band and everybody, True. you learn your parts, she writes the songs, we all learn our parts, you go into the studio, you play your parts, you're done. But we're, you know, like he plays banjo and acoustic guitar. She plays piano. Like we all do a lot of different stuff. And so that's my favorite thing about recording is you get to just throw mm-hmm. in all your spices and flavors and come out with something really unique. But it also creates an obstacle where if I were playing keys in this group for six months, the parts would be six months evolved. Yeah. But now we're looking to lay them down on the record, but I'm only going to play these parts for like a week if yeah. that of yeah. a day, so it's kind of interesting how that is all working out. But you know, so far, so good. You know, you were talking about uh, just off camera earlier, talking about comedy, and uh, I, I talk about comedy a, a ton uh, when it relates to music, and and um, you know, talking about having a week. It's like if you if you had a an hour long special, and you had a week to prepare your special is going to suck. But if you had an hour long special that you had six months to develop and hit the clubs on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and then hit the, you know, you're, you're, it's not going to be what it was from the start. It's going to evolve so much based on other people's reaction in the band and, and, and what the feel is compared to what it was when you just heard it for the first time and we're trying to fill space you know that that evolution um, that'd be tough. That'd be interesting for you uh, to to try to figure out what you're going to do and and get in the groove of that. Just throwing on on a recording track. But you're a great musician, I'm sure. Like and like I said before, you have good ears. So I feel like whatever you play is going to be good. Like yeah, I, for sure. I, don't know, I I at least want to trust that because I'm making an album and I hired everybody. So they just come in without really hearing much and come and play. So if, mm-hmm. if I mean, I as good like, as you I like are, that approach sometimes yeah, too. I'm sure it was going to sound great. And all your recorded stuff already sounds so good. Like I was listening to, I've been listening to it since I knew you were on the podcast mm-hmm. a whole bunch more, but I've already listened Thank to your stuff you. a bunch. I mean, it is killer, killer. The productions on some of them yeah. songs are really good. Very nice. Thank you. And you, uh, Kobe, you do... Do you do the production on most of the stuff that's recorded? Jay and I are working on okay. that. Yeah, right on, man. You all are good producers, like for well, sure. Uh, the stuff that she's the stuff that that's out, has out not that's what from other yeah. sessions. So, like, we're the stuff that we've worked on with her is still hasn't been released. Okay. Spring twenty twenty four, baby. Tracking it. Ah, spring twenty twenty four. An independent it's approach at tracking laid the, down. the album and you're tracking it at yeah. your house, Kobe. Yeah, we're doing all yeah. the tracking there. We're gonna take it off to Dead Bird. Oh sweet, oh, sweet. Yeah. mix there. Everything I swear to you, everything I've heard out of Dead Bird. Dead Bird awesome. does good work. So good. Dave is I've an awesome person, and awesome. his dog Bruce is my boyfriend. So yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, man, I, I, I love the stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of the, La La Land's amazing. Uh, the guys down in Franklin are amazing. Uh, was that Liquid Sand? Who's the, damn it, Tyler and them. No, not Tyler. Look out. <laughs> Editing this out. Who's our guys down in... Uh, Franklin. Yeah. Thunder Sounds. Thunder Sounds. Okay. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, everything that I've heard with... with uh, Dead Bird. Dead Bird. Okay, no, everything I've heard from, with Dead Bird uh, recordings have been awesome. Like, I notably, I went, oh, my God, dude. Everyone that I've, I've really, really liked. So that would be awesome. Um 
you guys say this might be your last recording as a trio? I, I don't know. We'll see. The guy who's coming in on bass um, is a musician, um, but recently got a bass and started learning stuff. Mm. And so we're gonna we're gonna see. I laid down the bass tracks for the current album, and then the next one we'll just we'll see where he's at with it. If he's comfortable writing his parts and laying them down, sure will. Well, and part of the you know the breaking in will be um, as he's rehearsing the parts. It's great because Jay wrote the parts, and mm-hmm. so that can be kind of the hard part. And so I he's said been... that's not how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's teaching him, you know, the parts. He's he's getting them, and he's rehearsing to that. And so the next step will be to to play a couple of gigs, especially like lower stakes things. You know, I think um, the Electric Forest is that what it's called? Oh yeah, they that's have a an great open jam. 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 So like you can play. Wednesdays. Wednesdays or Thursdays. Maybe it's, it's like the open mic. Wednesday. Is it yeah. Wednesday? I think so. So we'd consider that to where it's like he doesn't feel all that pressure of it being like a paid gig with like, you know, an audience, you know, but it's but it's an opportunity for him to play with us in front of people at an open mic. Open mics are the way to go, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start doing that. And depending, you know, uh, this may or may not be our last as a trio. If he falls into the group and, and is confident and comfortable and liking it, and we're all liking it, then then this may be it. Well, you know, it's also pretty awesome to go, hey, uh, we got offered this thing on this date and he can't do it, Jake. It's just, a, okay, we're, it's the trio. Yep. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Trio does yep. it. We're good. We get paid a little bit extra a piece and we have a good day. <laughs> so whatever. There you go. You know? Because it really, I mean, it just, it's so good as a trio. It's so, it's good. so good. It really is. Trio. I mean, I'm blown away by it. I did Stinky. not know you all were just a trio. I, I, I kind of just assumed you'd have an electric guitar here as well. And I did not, I didn't miss it. Like, no, I mean, you don't, no, I'm no. sure it sounds, it's you know, always something extra, but you don't miss it just I, with you all. I would all. say this to uh, Sydney. I wouldn't worry about your, the, the things you think you can't do on a, on a, on a guitar. It really doesn't matter. You you know a capo can change all that. You don't have to do bar chords. You can figure because the dynamics is where it's at. It, it isn't about uh, how many places you can play an A chord and how many places you can play something else or what a open chords you can play wherever. It, it's it's all about the changes, the dynamics. Um, I don't remember if it was the first song, uh, "Bad Tattoo Ballad," that has such a crazy change in it that it was just like catches you out of left it might have been 67 chevy um it might have been both of them because there's so many cool changes (laughs) that it's not only changes um it changes rhythmically which not a lot of people have the ability and groups have the ability to do so i i would really um i would really just if i have any advice to you as a musician don't worry about your what you think you can't do because you do so much with what you have already it's just like you know we're we're all just gushing over yeah how good like you're it is. good you were really good and like i, I said yeah. i felt uncomfortable in a tree i feel like anytime as a musician or you make art you always feel a little self-conscious about it you were fucking way better guitar player than me like i, well, I was blown away by the trio and the dynamics on that guitar like especially finger picking as a yeah. trio I personally had a tough time doing without like a full band. Just I felt like I would get off, but I mean, you hold it down. Well, like, you know, you think as a as a trio, you and a guitar player in a trio, you have to fill up all this space. Mm-hmm. You feel like you have to play harder and play more and make sure that that's. I think that gets gets you in the wrong line of thinking. Yeah. Because what what the finger picking and the dynamics do is draw you in. They make you lean in to where sometimes. 
you know, a ton of strumming and trying to get people to really just, it, it makes you kind of lean back instead of has that opposite effect. Maybe. Um, but what I, I mean, I literally was leaning into everything that you guys were doing, paying attention because you get a little bit of sense to like watch everything individually and see what's going on because what you don't do, Jay's doing. What Jay's doing is locking in with Kobe. I mean, it's just, it's this unit, and it works so well together. Um, I mean, I definitely still encourage you to have outside flavor and all that stuff, by all means. I'm not, yeah. but it's just so. Yeah, you should be proud of what you have as a trio. Because exactly. you don't see a lot yeah, of trios that are so as good. cool as what you all just did. Well, and so, yeah, I think, I like, this band. I've gotten a lot more comfortable with, like, my playing since being in a group. Because when I was playing solo, you know, I have these cool, like, dynamic parts written. But there was only so much I could do with just yeah. an acoustic guitar. You know, and being self-taught, I'm going to tell you, like, it doesn't actually, it doesn't come off up often anymore but when I was in my early 20s and I have this guitar and apparently like I put on my capo the wrong way I don't use a pick I like anchor my fingers and kind of have a weird style because I'm self-taught like I didn't know how to do all these things like I had some guitar guys you know what I mean oh, and yeah. like they'd make some like little shitty comments and <laughs> like it dicks, got into man. my head <laughs> yeah. of like you know making some little snide uh remark about how I play or whatever um and it did used to bother me and and I think just I hear so much when I write songs in like stuff mm-hmm. um that it just it felt not full enough with an acoustic guitar. And it was like, God, I wish like I could, I could do so many things at once and I can't. So now within this, um, they do fill it out, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm really comfortable with my finger picking and just over the years, I've gotten more comfortable with my individual style. I had somebody come up to me at my latest show at the Monarch, um, and was like, I've never heard a guitar really sound like that. You play with like the, the flat side of your thumb and it gives it like this really unique quality that really sets you apart. And that's important in music because there's only so many ways to play a guitar and, you know, so many ways to play chords that if you are doing something that has a really different sound, that that's actually more of an asset than a liability. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, Yeah. so I've gotten I've gotten a lot more comfortable and confident in my particular writing style and playing style. But it's also helpful that I don't have to worry about spicing up the dynamics when I'm just like playing chords and I hear all this other stuff Mm -hmm. because they're doing that, like they're filling it in. Yeah, and then every time you add a harmony line, uh, anything like that, it just it, it makes that the vision that you, I'm sure, mm-hmm. had when you wrote mm-hmm. the song a little bit more complete. It does, it does. Yeah. And yeah. the harmonies are great. I say it every time we have someone who can sing harmonies, but your harmonies, man, are really, really tight. Sounds yeah. good. And the cho- again, choices. You yeah. know, it wasn't something that you overdid. You hit it when you needed to, sometimes not even on the first verse through or first course through. Coming through on that second one to try to just really kind of drive home. What yeah, was there was saying. a couple times some harmonies came out that I wasn't expecting. Uh-huh. And there, that's one of my favorite things in a band is harmonies. And I'm just, I really am just blown away by the, the trio. You yeah. don't see it, yeah, played like the way you just did it. You know, I, I think about things when it about kind of what you were talking about a lot um, when it comes to artists and and not necessarily just musicians or writers or anything, but you know. I think you can get so self-doubting um, that that you want to that that sometimes as an artist you try to go well should I sound more like this or more like these people or what but to really be true to yourself to really be true to what you're writing and and, and to 
kind of like with your finger picking and there is something so unique and so from just what I know about you in this room tonight, so you represented in what you're doing that to change anything within your, to that doubt sucks basically, because I think that it takes a lot from artists. I think it takes a lot of people that could be a lot more original um, and, and puts that doubt into them and makes them conform a little more which I don't think you are there at all. You are so unique and original and do your own thing. That's one thing that I wrote on here is like who, you know, I, I always like kind of guessing who people listen to growing up and what they're into now when they write just because I'm like, I, there's only a few things. And I, with you, it was weird because I'm like, what in the world? I was getting like <laughs> Carrie Underwood and Paramore vibes. It was so weird. You know, I, it's like, what, you know, what did you listen to growing up? I'll say um, my top three male singers growing up, um, Bob Seger, Louis Armstrong, Connor Oberst. That's my trifecta. <laughs> About as different as you can be, okay, but loved different. them. Wildly Trying different. to think, um, female, um, gosh, it would probably be Lena Horn, okay. Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple's oh, big Fiona in my world. Amazing. I'm obsessed with her. Love her. And she's still recording good records. Yes, she, she is. is. Still recording good records. I know, but she's never going on tour again, I feel like, and it really makes me sad. I saw her live before, so it's all good. Oh, oh, don't do <laughs> second, that. Second don't row gloat. at the Palace. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Open for uh, Counting Crows back in the day, and See? she was amazing. It was her and a piano. Oh, and that's all that she needs. Amazing. I love, I'm it obsessed with her. Her writing and her dynamics and um, her voice, just everything. That was a big, big part mm -hmm. of growing up. I'm trying to think if I had to pick a third I really love um vocally like Karen Carpenter okay. I think she is just spot and she played drums like she's just a Badass. cool like writer and all around incredible musician yep. so just really? uh, yeah we've never talked I'm a big Karen Carpenter are you we never talked about that before I what thought we, we did Karen talk Carpenter. about that I'm a huge and like Linda there. Ronstadt <laughs> Linda Ronstadt love her too but um definitely some like 70s vibes just all yeah. over the place have, all right so have you ever uh, have you ever listened to Regina Spectre. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because the, the yeah, Ellie Ruth is a big Regina Spectre. At least that's. I think she's a big Regina Spectre fan. But she mentioned listening to her when she was in, and that you kind of give me those vibes too. Just because it's the dynamics are so. The dynamics are crazy. Yeah. It's all, like it's just yeah. Fuck, it's, it's so good, hard to man. do so dynamics good. like that. Yeah. Well, we struggle with that to where I was like, I, I've just had to kind of settle in that we're uh, what. And it's funny you mentioned Paramore because on their little Facebook profile, they say genre neutral. Yeah. And I was like, I'm stealing that. That's mine now. <laughs> like, that's what we are. Because, you know, I have influences from all over the place. Like when I sit down to write a song, I can't help but write country shit, dude. Mm. I'm, I mean, it's like songs. There's like roosters and like lots of weird, like religious <laughs> undertones in my song just because of how I grew up. And I kind of write somewhat in like, a country format, but I have some like belting and some jazz in my voice. And then they have their own influences, lots of like seventies vibes going on. And so I'm like, I don't know what we are. Like, I don't know how hmm. to it's describe Americana. us. Hey, Americana. You know yeah. I, I honestly don't 
When I listen to, I don't hear country. Yeah. I don't hear anything. Any, I don't either. I, mean, I, hear, I hear the Americana stuff. I feel like it's, I'm the same the way. Edge where of Americana, I, dude. When I, I don't consi- I'm not really a country dude. I grew up in Louisville. I grew up in the city. Like you sing country. I sing country music though. That's what I write. Like I don't yeah. consider myself that country, but that's just what comes out. And, yeah, you don't. You're like, not it real just country. What, I'm not. Yeah, it's just well, what I, think, I write. Like as Alabama Brown and the Inside Outlaws, it was heavily country. You know, there's a song we just had the discussion. I'm like, maybe we should save that as a single and not put it on the album because it's like it's so country that it like doesn't fit in with everything else right so i think my writing style has evolved and like what they add to it you know um when we first started recording the album speaking of that self-doubt like i just got in this like weird place to where i was really indecisive and i didn't know what direction to go in musically and like i have all these songs that i've written and i want to do something and back in like the alabama brown days it was very simple it's like all right this if this is country music you need a fiddle, maybe a little mandolin, some upright bass, let's cook it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, pretty easy from that standpoint. So with this album, I was like freaking out because I had, you know, the two releases I had, one's like this like kind of heavy alternative song. The other one's kind of this like dreamy atmospheric song. And I have just, I don't know, I got like really in my head about it. And I'm like, we're releasing a country and Western album. (laughs) So like, they're like listening to these songs and they're like, if you want a country and Western album, write fucking country and Western music. (laughs) Like that's not how this works. And it took me like probably a couple of weeks into us like playing together to kind of let go of this image of myself as Alabama Brown, as Mm -hmm. like a country artist, as like, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I write. And really just kind of lean into the life that these songs took on after they started playing with it and we started leaning in. And now I'm like, Oh, we want to put we want to put cello on it. Sure, like what what some organ? Like I've really let go of my attachment to any specific genre or sound, and letting each song kind of unveil what it needs and rolling with it. I think that's a genius move. Yeah, I mean you should. Yeah, like you should write what comes natural, but not put yourself in a box. Like I like I'm make I'm in the process of making an album now too, and I don't consider myself that country, but I do write country stuff, and now. The album, like I had to just kind of swallow my pride and be like, there's some songs on here that maybe aren't that country, but I like them and I'm going to put them on here. Yep, and it is what it is. The so. one you sent me from the Monarch. Yeah, it's not very country. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's killer. It has a crazy, uh, just like get. get I was listening into to it. Joe Crocker, like, yeah, feeling all right. That's what it sounds the, like you are listening yeah. to Joe Crocker, yeah. dude, for sure. Yeah, it's killer. How about some questions? Uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot we even had questions. Shut up, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brad, I feel like I'm talking too much in my, in my oh, corner. There ain't no such thing, man. We had six podcasts already in this, uh, on this podcast. We can ask as many as we want. All right, so tell us something about yourself, non-musical. People might be interested to know about you. Non-musical. Uh, Non-musical. Yeah, we're going yeah, down just the one line. at a time. Um, um, I, I'm really into gargoyles <laughs> and gargoyle culture. Okay. So there's like some meetups in the park and stuff, and everybody like dresses like gargoyles and hangs out. That's it. Awesome. Thank you for that. It's really, really vulnerable <laughs> and special, <laughs> Jay. Um, something non-musical 
that people might be interested to know right, about just, me. Uh, anything. Yeah, Fun fact. Yeah, anything. so I've got like a weird day job that people don't understand. I actually own a business here locally. Okay. It's okay. Um, co-own. I have a business partner, and it's called Louisville Lymphatic Center, and we specialize in post-operative lymphatic drainage, uh, which means people go and get major surgery, and they get swollen, and we make them unswollen. No so I get to deal with like 48 hours after surgery, incisions, wild medical stuff I and I love it. Oh, I love, love it. that job. Oh, Do you my get gosh. Drain, like drain pus and stuff? Like, well, oh, we get gross. to strip drains, like ah. the, the drains that they have, the JP drains, like we'll glove up and kind of like strip those. But it's also about that. like moving fluids. So you can watch a person like shrink before your eyes. Like you have to be like some that. sort of certified medical something. So I'm a licensed massage therapist. A lot of our employees are either massage therapists or nurses. Um, we, we tried to hire. It's easier to teach a nurse the body work techniques to do this than it is most massage therapists, the amount of anatomy that they need to pull this off. Um, Amy and I have little bits of like medical background, my business partner. So we kind of came to it, but it's just, it's awesome. I love, um, I love what I do. I get to see really interesting cases. We do a lot of um, cosmetic surgery, weight loss surgery, orthopedic, some general surgery, some cool like facial surgeries, facial reconstruction. And I just... Very cool. I, you would like that? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd be into that. I'm dude. a vet tech, so I see gross stuff all the time. Are you? So, yeah, my wife's a veterinarian, so is her dad. We so were talking about pus yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> I had to squeeze a whole bunch out of my finger from a dog bite. Oh, so. yeah. It's like watching Dr. Yeah. Pimple Are you on the It's so man? satisfying. <laughs> Are you okay, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm doing all right. So yeah, Earl was in the in hospital. Uh, oh, right. shit. So Earl was in the hospital like Tuesday or when, no, Wednesday. Wednesday Got night. out in time for Thanksgiving and then healed up in time to play guitar and sing some songs of the Monarch well, on shit. Saturday. He's, been, he's yeah. been trooping. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be yeah, out. Congratulations on being alive. Yeah. <laughs> Still Made living. it out. All right, Kobe, what you got going yeah. on? Something non-musical people might be interested uh, to know about I'm, you. I just like being a family guy. Really, I'm just a musical dude, so there's not much else there. Um, <laughs> I like <laughs> being a just, dad. I'm a, how many I'm, kids? I'm also in a weird club, the Gnome Club. We like to meet up and fuck with the Gargoyle Club at the park. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> dude. The Gargoyle Club doesn't even fucking recognize the Gnome Club. <laughs> it's a different universe. No, I like riding my Harley. That's one thing I really there love doing. Uh, cool. What kind of Harley you have? It's an old sporty. Got it from my dad. Oh, cool. sweet. Yeah. Kept it in the family. So. All right, how about a nightmare gig? What's a nightmare gig that comes to mind? You want to kick us Night- off? Um, nightmare gig. Uh, once uh, we we did this podcast and they didn't but then like partway through there was like a screensaver on the same screen and now that scares me that maybe it's not that recording. we're gonna have to do the podcast again Br- and we're Br- starting over right now from the beginning again <laughs> yeah sorry to tell you uh, nightmare gig um I don't, or something int- like something funny or interesting that's happened during gig. I know sometimes you hope you don't have too many nightmare stories, but just oh, something sure. noteworthy that you've had. Maybe it's the best gig. Yeah, he's yeah, too many. He has several nightmare Stand stories. Stand Lots out of gig. Might be your best gig ever. Um, we played um, uh, Gonzo Fest one time, and at the end of our set. Uh, I was the last one off the stage, and it was like a raised stage, and they had a curtain background, and I thought there were like poles holding the curtain on the side, and I ran. I was like, "Good night," and I ran and like 
tried to jump and like grab the pole and like swing around and thought it'd be this cool exit and there was like no pole. <laughs> I just <laughs> fell like eight feet off the stage and I everybody saw it. Like my friend sent me a video and there was like a bunch of people laughing and I just like fell off the back of this stage. That wasn't a nightmare, but That's good. it didn't look cool. Not a, not a fun experience. I'm trying to think. Um you know, and this wasn't like a circumstantial, it was a nightmare for me. It wasn't anything to do with what was going on. So uh, my buddies started a bar, started building a bar in 2019. Are you familiar with Planet of the Tapes? Yeah. Oh, such yeah. A cool spot. So like Jim Bob, I was playing keys with him on my quest to like start a band. We kind of played together for a little bit and he ended up stopping. He's like, look, I got to put my focus and attention into like building this bar and creating this with my buddy. And I was like, totally cool. Right. And they opened and then the pandemic happened. Like, really soon after that. So he contacted me and he's like, Sydney, is there any way that you'd be open to doing like a live stream gig here to help like raise some funds so we can keep the doors open? And I was like, absolutely. What do I need to do? And they're like, you're just going to show up. There's going to be a camera, like we're going to record you. People will buy tickets and that's how we'll kind of collect the money instead of it being like a Facebook live or anything, but they can kind of comment and this, that, and the other. And I was like, cool. So like I get there and I'm at the plan of the tape stage and the venue is completely completely empty and there's like one guy in the corner running sound and then like this in front of me and I was like like do I he's like you know just start whenever and I was like cool um so I was playing and then it's a really weird feeling like uh, the first song I did all right and then I stopped and like there's no clapping there's no like <laughs> feedback and like it started like getting to me like I started getting like really my banter was terrible I don't even I never want to see that film ever <laughs> I was like rambling and I was nervous and I started shaking and then it progressively just snowballed to where I'm like I'm forgetting words to my own song like it just rattled me so much like not having any feedback or any oh. that's why I asked I was like are you guys gonna clap like can, can you please like this is really uncomfortable I have trauma around this and like I was really glad to do it but also like I had no idea how many people were watching who was watching it wasn't like an interactive experience it was it was really unsettling to me and so like I bombed dude like I like completely messed up like three of my songs and by the end of it I was like uh oh okay bye have a good night like and scurried off the stage and I'm like I'm never playing music again that's I feel horrible about myself and my life and my musical abilities that was terrible and again not anything to do with the venue themselves or the gig itself just I will not do that again like be live streamed without at least somebody doing something because it, it did not go well well here's for me. the good news the, the good news is that place is still around and it is Everybody that I've talked to that plays it loves it. I played there recently. Loves I had a great time. Yeah. 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 I would definitely play again. I I hate though, yeah. I've I mean I've done shows with no people and no one claps and you're like, what do I say? Most <laughs> yeah, of my dude. set is like rambling. I'm like, when there's nobody to talk to, I'm like, I'm gonna run through these songs quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Colby, nightmare gig? Any nightmare? I haven't had any nightmare gigs. Colby's Probably easy, man. just a hypothetical. I wouldn't want to see anybody like get hurt. At a show or something, you know, yeah. or anything like that. What about a great gig you've had? What about a great gig you've had? What's the best gig you've had? What's your favorite? Just gig? recently, we had an awesome gig at the Monarch. Yeah, love that. Yeah. I mean, we love the Monarch. That's um, all we talk about. All of these shows, the handful of shows we've played, have been great. Um, it's always a great time to me. I enjoy everything about it. The travel, the lugging the gear around, everything. Can I go again on a bad gig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ahead. thought of one. Okay. Um, when Blunt Honey was a duo, we booked a gig in Cincinnati at a place called the Grand Old Pub. 
and we were like cruising in a sedan and we had an upright base that would only fit in the passenger shotgun so <laughs> Sean would drive and I would sit right behind him <laughs> we drove to Cincinnati and we played this place and we got there and realized it was a Republican themed bar and she the owner named it Grand Old Pub to Grand Old Party and they called it the GOP and we played under a photo frame photo of Ronald Reagan <laughs> and then at the end of the night they hated us because like as soon as I knew it was if, even if it was like a Democrat bar, I would have roasted anybody that's going to open a bar and be like, this is a Republican establishment. <laughs> and so I talked my mouth off the whole night and then they wrote us a check for $75 and we had to call the owner back to the bar to cash the check so we could get home. <laughs> no money, spent our gas money to get there and then just kind of both rode home in silence. You behind Sean. <laughs> 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 tandem bicycle yeah, exactly. action exactly. going. Tandem bike visual. all the way back to Louisville. Oh boy. That kick sucked. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. GOP, baby. Where you get there, Kobe? This is our mascot. <laughs> so my that's that's my husband. It's not your husband. This is actually a picture. This of is my our husband. husband. <laughs> this is our husband. This is the band's husband. Um, so a, f- a friend made that for my bachelorette party so that my husband could be in attendance without being in that's attendance. Killer. And Slide then it him made in it there a- next to Sydney. Yeah. yeah. Then um, I'll just do this. Like- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is David. He's amazing. Hi, David. Um, and he. Uh, we brought it to the wedding and everybody was obsessed with it and started like dancing with it. Like it's in half of our wedding videos because they call it flat David. Like that's <laughs> the name now for it. Um, and then, you know, these guys saw it and they're like, we got to make merch out of it. Like, let's put it on the drum. Like we got to do some, some flat David stuff. And then even like, we got to have him up on stage at some point, just like sitting there being himself. He so it just comes, yeah, like, he a, comes with us wherever David's we go. He's with us everywhere we go. Yeah. David's, David's got a killer stash. Man. It's great. I know. <laughs> He only grows it out for like two months out of the year. He grew that specifically so that we could be Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson for Halloween. (laughs) It was great. I did the episode where she had half of her hair permed. Um, And so it was, but everybody was divided on the mustache. Half of the people loved it. Half of the people were like, it's, it's too much. Like it's Tom Selleck level. Like that's a lot of mustache for 2023 on a 38 year old man. Like that's Hawaiian shirt. I know it might be a future Halloween costume, (laughs) but it's a powerful, it's a powerful stash. And she, they did a great job of capturing it. Tell you what, you put a, you put a Hawaiian shirt on that man right there. You might raise my dead grandmother from the ground with some Tom Selleck. There'd be a lot of grannies coming out of the grave. Be a lot of them popping up. Get the shades too, the aviators. It's over. All right, how about who's a who's a local artist you've listened to recently, or somebody you just want everyone to know about? Caleb Elliott. Caleb Elliott. He's awesome. Yeah, he's from. Uh, he, we played with him. He's from. I think he's living in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, right now. Oh, cool. He plays. Um, uh, cello and guitar. He's got a really, really cool sound. He just came out with an album called Weed, Wine, and Time. And that track I off of like his it. album is the number one played song at the Monarch Jukebox. Oh, dope. It's got such a cool feel to it. So, yeah. Both of his full length records are really, really good. Yeah. Very like Beck meets George Harrison. Oh, sweet. Chill, cool. great songwriting vibe, cool melodies, cool guitar melodies. Beck meets George Sweet. Very talented. Very kind person to be. So. Yeah, he was fantastic. 
He looks I, like Chris Cornell, too. He does. He, does. he has that vibe. Not Chris Cornell now. No. <laughs> but like Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell looks like my dead grandmother. Oh, my. <laughs> That's true. Here we go. <laughs> All right. The, the the local act I've been listening to. So I love um, the, the front woman for this act is a dear friend of mine, uh, Shitfire. Have you heard of Shitfire? Yeah. They call themselves... Uh, Trash thrash. Uh, they're kind of like yee yee punk rock music. Um, lots of crocs and lots of electric guitar. They're a wild time. But um, so there's songs like Yellow Billy and In Your Head that I absolutely love. And she's like a wild front woman. You know what I mean? Like she's like out there rolling around, screaming. It's fantastic. But on this latest EP, they put this song that's like completely different than any of their other songs and did this really like kind of haunting. Um, Western song called Old Time, and they released a music video to go with it that has very like um, True Blood, you know, the intro to True Blood, that show, that yeah, trailer, it, yeah. like that intro scene, like that kind of vibe to it, where very like Southern Gothic. And it's incredible because I've known that she's like an amazing singer, but a lot of what she's doing with Shitfire is very like kind of like screaming and yelling and um, all that. But this song really like showcases her softer vocals. So it's just been on repeat. I'm like a obsessed with this song right now and I'm like I hope they do more cool stuff with that of kind of diverting they're working on a full length right now too they put on one of the best live shows I've ever been to I mean they pack a room out full of kids at these all ages shows that are just losing their minds and it's so fun to be a part of who's the lead singer Hannah Blakeman no, I've heard Shitfire. Yeah, yep. I, Shitfire. I, follow, I follow them on stuff. Yeah, they're awesome. They make cool music videos, too. Yeah. I'm really into music videos. I love bands that do that. And they have one where they're, like, dressed as almost like Lord of the Rings characters. And they're, like, going to battle a wizard. And there's all this CGI. Like, it, they're just so cool. They're so fun. Uh, they're a great group. So our you? listeners that want to... Wait, 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 wait. <clears throat> Jay, man. Oh, we got to okay. get Jay. Yeah. What, what's Last local, local act. Local act oh, it was local? To to. I messed that up. Um, no, like, Caleb, he's been around. It's close Yeah, enough. I don't know of any. I don't live in Louisville. Regional. Well, so what about to you? Nigeria. What's local to you? Who do you um, like? Um... What's the Japanese thing you've been listening to? Well, it's not <laughs> been listening to a bunch of Japanese 70s pop music that everyone else hates, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm listening to any regional. Well, tell us the Japanese stuff you've been listening to. Uh, it's a song called Summer Connection by... Um, Can't pronounce that. To, yeah, hold on. I'll get it. I know, I know, my, I, I know my Japanese... 70s artist, man, don't, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what her name is. Uh, <laughs> if you summer, Google, summer Connection. Summer, summer Connection, connection Japanese summer connection. 70s pop. There we go. That's what I got. All right. All right. <laughs> now you can go. <laughs> so our listeners that want to follow you a little more closely, where can they find you? On the socials and... Oh, yeah. We got... Um, we were keeping it at Sydney Sled. I have the Instagram, Facebook. I have a TikTok that I post uh, little snippets to. I have a website. Just find me anywhere. I've started getting a little bit more bold on social media, too. It's hard. I think I get that same plane of tape sensation, like filming myself. I get, like, really <laughs> weird about it. Where, uh, it's, a, it's a hard process for me. Um, but I did one of me trying to do my best George Jones 
Jones impression, and I got close. Like it was pretty. It was it was pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. It's really. Good. The people told me I was on the right track. Anyway, yeah, I saw that. So yeah. I've just been being a little bit more playful and posting little reels and stuff instead of just like show dates and stuff. So any of the apps, it's just under Sydney Sled. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having you. Thank you. Yeah, you're Thank awesome. you. Hey, thanks Thank for you. the patience. Top <laughs> recording studio B session one in the books. It's a wrap. Appreciate it's a that. wrap. Pre- appreciate you all. Woo.